me set today up like this. Last year, um, about this time, sort of towards the end of November, um, I went. Uh, I went on a trip. I got on a plane. I flew out to Colorado to do um, take some time to just kind of do a little vision casting um, and get ready for the Christmas services. Um, so I flew out to Colorado. Now the plane ticket to go from Omaha to Denver was pretty cheap, and they had this this option that for fifty dollars you could upgrade to what they called preferred class. And so I'm like, it's fifty bucks, man. Preferred class. That sounds pretty pretty cool, and so I'm going to get that, which I later found out would, could better be described as ghetto class, um, but that's another story for another time. So I get on this plane after upgrading, and I sit down, and it's up front, and, and the flight attendant comes up to me right away, and she asked me if, I, if I'd like a snack, which I thought, man, that's, that's kind of crazy. There are people still getting on. Usually, you don't ask for snacks until you're halfway through the flight, and, and, and then they come over, and they want you to buy the snacks, and, and she's like, would you like a snack? I'm like, sure, I would love a snack, and she said, would you like a drink? And I said, I'd also like a Diet Coke. That, that would be awesome. She brings me, true story, she brings me an entire bag of chips and a whole bottle of Diet Coke, which is crazy. Because if you've ever been on a plane, you understand when they bring you a bag of chips, there are three chips inside of there. And when you ask for a Diet Coke, they give you Diet Coke out of a can that they've split between eight other passengers, right? And so I'm like, whoo, this is awesome. Like, this is going to be incredible. Like, this, like, like, God is so, I know, I know, I know God spoke to me to go to Colorado and have a good time, just get away. Like, God is taking care of this. This is going to be the greatest journey ever. I am going to love this journey. And I was so excited, and I was so pumped up until she got on the plane. Now, let me, let me back up and let me say this. She was not the problem. It was the screaming baby in her arms. Now, listen. I understand from being a dad that babies sometimes freak out and lose their dang minds in the most inconvenient places. Like there were times like when you wish your kids wouldn't freak out, but they just completely melt down. Yes or no, parents? Yes. I remember both of my kids. I remember the very first time with Chloe. For years, I had gone out to eat and watch parents or watch kids freak out and ruin my dining experience and think, why can't they just take their kid out to the car? Why, don't they understand other people? And I remember the first time Chloe melted down at the Olive Garden. I was like, Mary, you better do something about this. Like, <laughs> this, like what's wrong with this kid? Doesn't she know we're like out to eat? So I understand. They freak out. Like, that's, that's not the issue. However, this baby was screaming at the gate. You ever been there? You, you ever been getting ready to get on a plane? And there's a baby that's in the gate area, and they're just freaking out, and you're praying harder than you've ever prayed in your entire life that that baby doesn't get on your flight. You ever been there? Like that, that struggle's real, isn't it? And so it's screaming there. The baby's screaming as it's getting on the plane. I'm eating my chips, and I'm drinking my Diet Coke. And, and, and I thought, there's no way when this baby sits down that it can cry for another 5, 10, 15 minutes. Like, sure, they're going to sit down. It's going to get settled. Mama's going to give it some milk or something, and it's going to be fine. I was way wrong, <laughs> way wrong. Like, I am not making this up. This baby screamed, screamed from Omaha to Denver. Like, when you add in the tarmac time and the taxiing and all of that other stuff, that's like an over two-hour flight. At some point, maybe like an hour in, you're thinking, like, like this kid is going to give us a break or the mom is going to smother it or something. Like, something's going to happen. I'm just kidding, all right? I didn't think that for long. 
But no, like this baby screamed, melted down, freaked out the entire time. I remember we finally landed, and, and because I was in preferred class, I got to be one of the first people off. And so I got off that plane like just as fast as possible. I go down, I go to the, the place to get the car, the rental car, and the rental car agent, he's like, hey, how was your flight? And my response, a true story, was like, you know, it started out great, but it wasn't quite the journey that I expected. Now, all of us have probably been on a trip like that, where whether it was in traffic or it was on a crazy plane, where it just wasn't what we expected. But some of us, that's where we are in life right now. Like if we were to look at our life right now, 5, 10, 15, maybe even 20 years ago, if you would have told us where we are right now, that we'd be right where we are right now, we would have said, you know what, I don't think so. That's not quite the path I would choose for me. It's not quite the, the journey I would have expected. Every single one of us has had to deal with something unexpected in life that you just, you just didn't see it coming. And because of that, one of the things I know, especially if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, is we can go through really tough, turbulent times. We can go through really hard times. We can go through really dark times, and it really does cause us to doubt God doubt our relationship with God, doubt the love of God, doubt all kinds of things about God. It makes us question, like, does God even care? Like, is, is God even concerned about me? Does, does God even know that I'm here? Does God know the situation I am, I'm in? Does God know that I feel abandoned? Does God know that I feel cast away? Like, maybe we thought we heard God say, hey, this, this is what I want you to do, but this is what happened, and this is what is turning out, what life is turning out to be like. And so because of that, when you feel like you're surrounded in doubt or you begin to doubt the promises of God, it feels like you're cast away to the island of misfit toys, right? And, and, and then people begin to look at you and say, what's wrong with you? Like, what, what, what's your, like you claim to be a child of God. You claim to be a follower. Like, how can you, how can you doubt? Like, you have doubt? And so today, um, I don't know if you've ever dealt with doubt, but that's what we're going to talk about as we jump into the Christmas story. The Christmas story, I believe, is full of people who feel like they're misfits because they had to deal with, with doubt or disappointment or um, just a, a, a slew of emotions um, that, that aren't always positive. Um, the first one, the one that we're going to look at today, is Jesus' mom. Her name is Mary. Luke chapter 1, um, there's a couple accounts of the Christmas story. We're going to talk about Matthew next week. We're primarily going to be um, in Luke today, but Luke tells the, the, the Christmas story. Now, the sermon in the sentence for today, in case you want to like, like, fall asleep or something more important happens on your phone or whatever, um, I'm going to give you the main point before I really dive in, and I'm going to kind of develop this, and we're going to talk about this as we go on. Um, but the main point uh, today is something that, that God has really been um, working in my life. It's something that I saw a few months ago, and, and he's really been speaking it um, into me, and I'm hoping that God is going to use it to speak into you as well. Um, this is something I taught you, or I said to you, um, I showed you a few months ago. I didn't make this up. Um, I stole this from somebody. I don't even know who. don't even remember who. I saw this quoted on somebody's Facebook page. Uh, this is not something that's attributed to one single person. I'm not sure anybody knows who said this first, but this is it. Don't doubt in the darkness what God has declared to you in the light. Don't doubt in the darkness what God has declared to you in the light. 
Again, I, I can't take credit for this statement. I'm not smart enough to make up something like this. I don't know who said this statement first. Like I, I tried to find out so that in your outline I could put the quotes and the name and all of that other stuff. I Googled it, and there are at least 34 people that are attributed to saying this or some form of this statement. All right? I'm not taking credit for it. I don't know who said it, but it's something that I have held on to since the first time that I saw it. Don't doubt in the darkness what God has declared to you in the light. Now, I want to walk you through that, and I want to break that down um, by looking at Mary and what was said to Mary and what happened to Mary. And, and I want you to see how, how Mary ultimately saw God's promise fulfilled, even though she had to go through some incredibly tough, difficult, and dark times to see it happen. Here we go. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin. That's huge, 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 huge. To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. The virgin, there it is again, the virgin's name was Mary. Now I need to point a couple things out here before we move on. First, Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, um, is a doctor. And Luke wants us to know that Mary is a virgin. He says it twice right here in the context of two verses. Two times he says that she's a virgin. That's very, 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 very important. You have to get that. You have to understand that. You have to trust in that. That's foundational to the Christian faith. I know some people, and, and, and I've heard even, even in modern-day Christianity, that people have said, well, you know, it doesn't really matter. It matters! Like, that's huge. That's, that, that, that right there, like, that is gigantic. Like, that has to be a hill that you die on. Mary was a virgin, right? You, you, can't, you can't go any other way. Like, that's just gigantic. Second of all, he says um, that the angel went to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, now, Nazareth, the best way to describe that is just like Hicktown, USA. Like, it's just, it's just hidden off and, and like it's some obscure village far outside of Galilee. I mean, it's crazy. Galilee's in Israel. Israel's a part of the Roman Empire. Israel, at that time period, was pretty much considered to be the armpit of the Roman Empire. Like, nobody, nobody really even wanted to go to Israel, not, not even, um, not just to Israel, but they didn't want to go outside of Israel. They didn't want to go to these small towns. They just didn't want to be there. So, don't miss this. You've got a girl in the Roman Empire in an occupied territory that nobody cares about. She's in an even deeper part of Nazareth that nobody cares about. If there's anybody who has ever felt and forgotten or abandoned by God or felt like she's a misfit and doesn't belong, I promise you it's Mary. Yet the Christmas story starts out, it opens up with God going to somebody that thinks that maybe God has forgotten all about her. It's, it opens up with God going to somebody who feels like an absolute misfit, Wh which brings me to this, and I'll say this and I'll move on. I don't know exactly where you are in your walk with God, but I know exactly where God is in his walk with you. He's closer than you could ever imagine. He is. God is closer to you than you could ever possibly imagine, even when you feel like a misfit, even when you feel abandoned, even when you feel forgotten by him. Let's keep going. The virgin's name was Mary, verse 28. The angel went to her and said, greetings you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. To, to which at this point I'm like, if the Lord is with me, why am I here? If the Lord is with me, why am I in Nazareth? If the Lord is with me, why is the Roman army here? Why are we occupied? If the Lord is with me, hey, Mr. Angel, dude, if the Lord is with me, why do I feel like such a misfit? 
I mean, I've got lots of questions about this, right, if, if they're talking to me. But it keeps going. Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his word, which I, I would have been as well, which you would have been also, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Um, okay. Again, uh, Mr. Angel, a couple quick questions. If I have found favor with God, why am I in Nazareth? If I have found favor with God, why are we in Israel? Why are we occupied by the Romans? And, and, and if we, I have found favor with God, why is all this bad stuff happening in my life? How can I find favor with God? Look, like in other words, if things are so bad, if things are so bad, how, how, can, how, how can things, how can you tell me that I have found favor? How can, how can things be so good when everything feels so bad? And I think we've all wrestled with that question. How can things be so good when things feel so bad? I, I believe that's what Mary is wrestling with in this text right here. Verse 31, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Now, let's talk about that. Because, see, like, don't miss this. We look at this like this is an everyday, normal thing. Because we get it. We understand that, like, this is the Christmas story, right? We celebrate the Christmas story every year. We know the Christmas story from the time that we're kids. We watch the Charlie Brown Christmas special. At the end of the Charlie Brown Christmas special, they declare that Jesus is born. Like, we understand the story. We get it. We can, we can recite it. But, but, but seriously, think about how awkward this is. Mary is about, the scholars believe that she's, like, a, between a 14 and 15. 15-year-old girl, 14 to 15-year-old girl, you're a virgin, and an angel comes up to you and says, oh, by the way, you're going to give birth to a baby. That, that's jacked up, right? Like, that is, that is weird, yes or no? Yeah, well, it keeps getting weirder. Look at this, verse 32. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, now, don't miss this, because this is basically what the angel told Mary. Is hey, Mary, you're going to give birth to a baby, and not just any baby. He's going to be the Messiah, the promised one, the one that you've all been waiting for. He is going to be Savior of the world. Now, now once again, we hear that, or we look at that, and because we understand the story, we're like, oh, that's perfectly normal. That's no big deal. It happens all the time. Put yourself in Mary's shoes for a second. Mary has... One question, and, and I think it's a legit question. Luke's already pointed it out twice, but he brings it up again. Look at this, verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Third time that the word virgin is used. Now, I don't know how this went down. I like to speculate a little bit when I'm reading the Bible. But I'm sure Mary was like, ah, oh. listen, Gabriel, really excited about you being here. <laughs> Love the wings and the toga. Got a really cool circle around your head. That's pretty awesome. But listen, listen, listen. I don't really know how you do it up in heaven, Gabe. Like, I don't know how things work up here. But here on earth, we have boys. And boys have boy parts. And we have girls. And girls have girl parts. And the boy parts and the girl parts get together. And that's what makes the baby parts. That's the way that it happens. And I'm not, support, I'm not sure how it's supposed to happen here because there have been no boy parts around my girl parts. I think that's a legit question, right? But God has an answer because God always has an answer. Look at this, verse 35. The angel laughed. No, the angel didn't laugh. The angel answered, 
The Holy Spirit will come onto you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born to you will be called the Son of God. So in other words, the angel said, listen, you're going to get the promise of God. But anytime you get the promise of God, it's always going to take the power of God to fulfill that promise. Right? D- d- don't miss that. Anytime you get the promise of God, it's always going to take the power of God to make that promise come to fulfillment. Even when the promise seems biologically impossible, because God always follows through on his promises, right? God always follows through on his promises. So the angel says, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, we got that all taken care of. The Holy Spirit is going to do a work inside of you. Nobody's going to be able to see it. Most people aren't even going to believe it. Mary, I'll talk to you about that in a second. But what you need to understand, Mary, is the Holy Spirit is going to do a work inside of you that's going to be unexplainable, but it will also be undeniable. That's what the angel tells her. And then it says this in verse 36, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. She who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. That's huge. For no word from God will ever fail. Some translations right here say, for nothing is impossible with God. And then watch this. Mary gets so caught up in the moment. We've been there. We've been caught up in moments before. Verse 38, she says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. That's a problem to me personally, because I'd have been like, okay, cool. I, I, I get it, Gabriel, but hold on, hold on. Where are you going? No, 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 no. You, you don't get to leave. You're going to have to walk with me through this entire journey. Like other people are going to have to see you too, because I'm going to tell other people about this, and nobody's going to buy the story. But Mary's like, oh, yes, this is awesome. Hashtag blessed. And, and Gabriel goes, peace out. He's just like gone. And then Mary, I believe, has to deal with three things that every person hearing this message today has had to deal with when they feel like they're a misfit. Number one, doubt. Doubt. I believe Mary had to deal with doubt. Now, I'm a highly skeptical person. If you know me, like personally, like you know this. Like if something supernatural ever happens to you, like, 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 uh, 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 let me, let me, let me say it like this. I have a friend. Um, he's a great friend. Um, his name is Marcus. I don't know if you guys know Marcus or not, but you see Marcus sometimes cleaning in between services. Marcus does an incredible job. Marcus is right over here right now in this service. I've got a picture of Marcus right here, but it'd be so much better if you just stood up and just let everybody see you. Just go ahead, man. Just stand up and wave, Marcus. Come on, man. Everybody say hi to Marcus. Um, Marcus's birthday was this week, and that's why I'm picking on Marcus right now. I love you, buddy. I, I really do. Now, Marcus is awesome, but Marcus believes in aliens, like legit. And I have told him, like, if you, if you ever see an alien, please don't come and tell me that you have, because I will make fun of you. I saw, a pa- I saw an alien. I saw you have all last night, Pastor. No, you ate too many pickles before you went to bed, Marcus. That's what happened to you. You have not saw an alien. I promise you, you haven't. Skeptical. If you ever see a Bigfoot, don't tell me, because I ain't going to believe you. True story. Honest to God truth. I've got a friend that swears swears, probably on a stack of Bibles, that his grandmother's brother's friend saw a Bigfoot. I'm like, dude, I love you. You're my boy. But your grandmother's brother's friend does drugs. Like, like seriously, he ain't seen no Bigfoot. This just hasn't happened. I'm skeptical. If you tell me, if you come up to me, Pastor Ryan, I had the greatest steak I ever had in my entire life last night. I don't believe you. 
I'm going to have to go check it out personally, and then we might talk about it. But, but I'm skeptical. Most of us are like that. Most of us are skeptical in some way, shape, form, or fashion, right? Well, think about this. Put yourself in Joseph's shoes for a second. Mary comes to Joseph, and she's like, um, Joey, I've got some good news, and I've got some uh, strange, weird news. Um, here's the good news. I, I'm, I'm going to give birth to the Messiah the savior of the world. Like, I'm going to have a baby, and he's going to be awesome. Now, now, if you're Joseph, you're like, well, that is good news, but we haven't done anything. Who, who the daddy is, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of what's happening right there. And Mary's like, oh, my gosh, that's just it, Joe. An angel came to my room and told me the Holy Spirit, like God, was going to be the father. I was going to get pregnant because of the result of the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, think about Joseph in that moment, in that moment, do you think he bought that story, yes or no? No! In fact, in the Gospel of Matthew, and we're probably going to talk about this next week, Joseph was planning on divorcing her, sending her away, um, and he was going to do it quietly because he was just so freaked out by this entire thing. Think about this. Like, like think about it. If your teenage daughter comes in and goes, Mom, Dad, I'm pregnant, but it's not a big deal because I haven't slept with a guy. It's the Holy Spirit. Like, none of us are going to go, Woo, praise Jesus. That's the greatest thing I've ever heard. Oh my gosh, let's get you to Target and let's get you registered. Instead of putting down the name of the dad, we're just going to put down God and maybe they'll give us a 20% discount. I don't know. This is just awesome. No, this is jacked up, right? Think about Mary. Think about Mary. Mary has this experience. It's very real. It's very authentic. But then Joseph, the person that was supposed to be the closest to her doubts that God is actually working in her. If you've ever gone through this, you know exactly how tough this is when those closest to you doubt that God is working in you. Like you know that God is doing something. You know God spoke to you. You know said God said do this. You know God said take your next step. You're, you know God said go this direction and pursue this. But then the people closest to you don't believe. Now, for years, I was like, man, that, those people, ugh, ugh, ugh. But let's not really be too hard on them because the whole angel showed up to me and told me I was pregnant story, that's a pretty big story. And, and, and not only did the people close to Mary doubt her, but those around her doubted her as well. Think, think about this. You think for one second, Nazareth, s small town, and nothing changed in a small town in 2,000 years. Everybody talks in a small town. I know we don't know nothing about that here in Carroll, but, but I'm telling you, like, like, do you think that the people in Nazareth bought the whole angel showed up to Mary story? Angel showed up to Mary. Did you, you know what that little girl said? The angel showed up to, something about the Holy Spirit. Girl, girl did you hear that? The angel showed up. No! Nobody believed that. Mary was about to get an incredibly negative reputation in Nazareth because not only did the people that were closest to her doubt what God was doing in her, everybody around her doubted what God was doing in her as well. And this is what I have discovered personally. If we allow the doubt of those closest to us and the doubt of those around us, if we allow their thoughts to become our thoughts, then we dive into this thing called self-doubt. And self-doubt, listen, 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 don't miss this. Self-doubt will always sabotage the work that God wants to do in your life. Don't, don't miss that because that's huge. Self-doubt will always sabotage the work that God wants to do in your life. And listen, 
Self-doubt usually comes as a result of, of, of other people doubting what we know that God spoke to us. And so don't you dare, don't you dare, don't you dare doubt in the darkness what God has declared to you in the light. Number two, not only did she have to deal with doubt, but she had to deal with discouragement. All of us have faced discouragement. All of us have had to be in highly discouraging situations. Like, like hypothetically, if you're a Packers fan, any Packers fans in here? Church is full of Packers fans. I know you're not going to raise your hand because you're skeptical that I'm going to make fun of you. You don't need to be skeptical. I am going to make fun of you. And I'm going to tell you it was discouraging a couple of weeks ago when my Colts beat your Packers in overtime. That's a discouraging situation because you're the, you're the Packers. They're just the Colts, right? But, hey, anyway, we, we all know a little bit about discouragement. All of us have had to face it. Now, I just want to throw out this question. Do you think Mary had to deal with discouragement, yes or no? Yeah, absolutely. Now, I have never been pregnant, obviously. I've had a food baby or two, um, but, 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 but I know women who have had babies. I've talked to women who have had babies. My wife had two, uh, so I got a little bit of knowledge in this. Um, but women who have had babies, of all the women that I've ever talked to or seen that have babies, all pretty much agree that the last week of your pregnancy is one of the most uncomfortable weeks of your entire life. Like, you can't get comfortable. Is that true, ladies, yes or no? Yeah, no, no matter what you try to do, lay on your right side, your left side, doesn't matter, you put your feet up, feet down, people rubbing your feet, what, you just can't get comfortable. So, let's pretend for a second, for those of you that have had a baby, let's pretend that your husband comes up to you and says, hey, I know this is the last week that baby won't be coming, but we're about to take a one-week ride on a donkey back to my hometown. Ladies, this is, this is not an all-skate. This is just for the ladies only. Man, you can't answer this. Ladies, you're going to be super excited about that? No, right? This is going to be a tough week for you. But don't miss this. That's what happened to Joseph. He had to take Mary on a donkey back to Bethlehem on the last week of her pregnancy. Can you imagine being pregnant, riding on a donkey every day for a week to get to Bethlehem? Ladies, are you going to be discouraged by this, yes or no? Yes, because if I'm Mary, I'm like, are you kidding, God? Are you absolutely kidding? Listen, you sent an angel. Like, you sent an angel. You could have sent a chariot. I could be riding in style right now. You could have sent Gabriel to come back down and pick me up and fly me to Jerusalem. Like, you could have done anything. But no, 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 no. You got me riding a flipping donkey. Are you joking me, God? And then it gets worse. When they get to Bethlehem, been on the donkey all week. All I want to do is lay down and sleep. And there's no room in the end. Like poor Joseph. Like he didn't call ahead. He didn't get no Airbnb or nothing like that. They go, there's not a house open. The inn is full. And they had to go. Most scholars believe what they went into was a sheep cave. Like our nativity scenes do not reflect where, where Jesus was born. Now, I've never actually been in a sheep cave, but here's a picture of a current day one on the outskirts of Bethlehem. Um, I can guarantee you one thing about this. It's nasty, and it stinks. You know what sheep do in sheep caves? They poop, and they pee, and it's absolutely disgusting and nasty. Years ago, um, as in, I don't know, when was it, 2012, 2013, Mike, we went, to, we went down to Creston. Um, there, were, there had been, a, this was before we had the church down there, obviously, 
um, but there was a tornado that had gone down there. And we took a team of people. When was that? 12 or 13. So, somewhere that I hadn't been here for very long. So maybe it was that first summer. So whatever. There had been a tornado that went down there. And so we took a team of people from here, and we went down there. And one of the places they sent us to was a sheep farm to help clean up on this sheep farm. It was nasty. I had never, city boy, ain't never been on a sheep farm before. And, and it was gross, and it stunk, and it was disgusting, and there was junk all over the ground. And I'm like, what is this all over the ground? And the guy's like, well, the sheep just have babies. It's afterbirth all over the ground. It's just disgusting. Like, you couldn't step without ste- taking a step without stepping on a uterus or something, man. It was, it was, dis- it was absolutely gross. And, and I'm like, man, the baby sheep running all over the place. And I found out at that time that the baby sheep is called a lamb. I'm such a city boy, I didn't even know that. I'm talking to the, you remember this? I'm talking to the guy, and the guy's like, I thought you were a pastor. Well, that doesn't mean I know the difference between a sheep and a lamb, dude. Like, I got no idea. All I know is it was gross. It was one of the most nastiest places I've ever been in my life. And, and that's what's going on. Like, that's the area that our Savior was born into. And so think about this. That 2,000 years ago, the, the infant mortality rate was incredibly high. So do you think that Mary was maybe a little bit discouraged or maybe even a little bit scared that Jesus was even going to survive the birth in those unsanitary conditions? And, and then, to add even more discouragement, Matthew chapter 2, Herod, the ruler of the land, finds out that supposedly the Messiah is born, and he gets freaked out because he wants to be king forever, and he thinks the new king is born, and so he issues this decree that all babies two years and younger should be killed. And so at that point, Mary has to take Joseph and Jesus, and they have to flee to Egypt, which, by the way, Jewish people were not looked very highly upon in Egypt. Do you think through all of these situations, through this entire thing, that Mary was discouraged, yes or no? Yes, because again, If I'm Mary, I'm thinking, okay, God, you made me this promise. And if I've given birth to the Messiah, then why the donkey ride? Why no room in Bethlehem? And why did Joseph and I, with our new baby, have to live as refugees for two years in Egypt? Mary had to face all kinds of discouraging situations. And all of us know what it's like to be in discouraging situations. Which is why I believe, and this is something I'm working in my own life right now, I believe when we go through discouraging situations, I believe it's a learning experience for us to be able to later help other people when they go through discouraging situations. One of the verses that I'm really focusing on right now is I'm I'm reading through the book of Romans. I read through the book of Romans a couple times a year in different translations um, because it's my favorite book. Um, But I'm reading through one right now, and the translation um, that I'm in, um, in Romans um, 12, verse 15, it it says this, um, be happy with those who are happy and cry with those who cry. Um, the more familiar way of that is rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And you've heard me talk about this before, but, but I really believe when it comes to discouraging situations that we've got that verse backwards. Because most Christians I know are like, hey, when people are happy, we need to make them cry. And when people are crying, we need to make them happy. But in real life situations, especially like discouraging situations, like I'm, I'm talking about the people that you know are going through something that's just like hell on earth, right? That, that doesn't work, does it? Just saying things, it just, it just doesn't, let, let, let me explain it like this. Let's say, let's say you go Christmas shopping with a friend later on today, and, and you're going to go to a mall and Christmas shop. So you got to go, you got to leave, and you got to go to Des Moines or whatever, so you're going to go to Jordan Creek. 
And Jordan Creek's like, what, a two-, three-story mall, and, and you're out, and you're shopping, and you're up and down the steps, and you're doing all this stuff. You're trying to get your steps in because you've got your Fitbit going, or your Apple Watch, or your Samsung Watch, or whatever, and, and you're, just, you're just really, 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 really into shopping, and, and, and you're not going to take the escalator, you're going to take the stairs, and your arms are full of packages and bags and all of this stuff, and you're at the top of the stairs, you and your friend, and, and when you take your very first step, your friend just trips and falls and topples over himself or herself all the way down to the bottom of the stairs. Now, you've got your phone out because you're trying to record this, right, because this is going to go viral. You're going to be TikTok famous putting this on, and you're laughing hysterically, and you're kind of running after them. Their bags are flying everywhere, head over heels. Like, they're screaming. They're freaking out. You're like, this is the greatest thing ever until you get to the bottom, and you see that they have broken their leg, compound fracture. Bone is sticking out, blood squirting out all over the place. You're throwing up a little bit in your mouth, like, but you're trying to be a good friend, so you swallow it back down. Now, what do you do? What do you do when your friend is laying there physically injured? What do you do in a situation like that? What do you do? You help, right? You help, or you do whatever it takes to find somebody to help, yes or no? Yes, you are doing everything you can to help them in the moment. Now, when people are going through discouragement, what do you know that just like a physical wound, people are experiencing wounds spiritually and emotionally too? Yet this is how we try to solve their problem. We say stupid things. I'll, I'll share with you some of the things we say. Lay it up, brother. God works all things together for good. Now, if you're on the ground with your leg broken, Bones sticking out through the skin, blood splattering all over to you. And the first thing somebody says to you when they come up to you is, God uses all things together for good. J just for me, Th this is me. This is where I fail as your pastor. Like, this, this is it. This is, where, this is my flaws coming out. I'm just like, come a little closer so I can punch you in the throat. Like, seriously, that, that's just me. Like, like <laughs> is, is that what you need to hear in that moment? No. And, and I know that the pushback is, well, that's true, Ryan. It's true. H have you ever been in a situation where just because something is true doesn't mean it needs to be said? Yes, it might be true, but if the leg's broken, bone's sticking out, and they're bleeding, they need help, not phrases, to make them feel better. <laughs> Let's talk about another one. Well, you know, there are other people in the world that have it way worse than you. You ever been told that? You, you ever been told that? The reason this is so fresh to me is because somebody said this to me just the other day. This week has been a week. I don't know if you ever had one of those, but it really has been. And somebody asked me the other day, they're like, hey, how you doing? I said, man, it's been a really tough week emotionally and spiritually because this is what I've had to deal with this week. And they said, you know, Ryan, what you need to keep in mind is there are other people in the world that have it way worse than you. True. You got me. 100% true. There's somebody right now in Africa walking eight miles to get water. True. There are other people in the world that have it way worse than me, that have it way worse than you. But let me ask you this question. When you're laying on the ground with your leg broken, do you care? No. When you're laying on the ground with your leg broken, all you can focus on is your pain. And the thought of, well, people have it worse than you, doesn't make the pain go away, does it? Or Here's another one. This one's my favorite. There's purpose in the pain. 
I know you're hurting right now, but there's purpose in the pain. For, and for me, like once again, if I can reach them, I punch them in the throat. And as soon as they're laying next to me gasping for air, I'd go, you know what, brother? Hold on, because there's purpose in the pain. When somebody's going through a really difficult time, like none of those things have ever encouraged me. Like they've never encouraged you. And so, so what do you say? What do you say to somebody when they're going through a discouraging time? Here's what you say. I'm so sorry. This really sucks. What can I do to help? That right there is the most Jesus-like thing you can say to somebody that's going through a discouraging time. I am so sorry. This really sucks. What can I do to help? That right there is weeping with those who weep and rejoicing with those who rejoice. So back to Misfit Mary. She had to deal with doubt. She had to deal with discouragement. And then on top of all of that, she had to deal with this thing called death. Now, if you're a parent, one of the things you love to see is your kids succeed, right? Like most parents would say they want to see their kids succeed in something. Uh, there's going to be someone like, not me. We want our kid to be last in everything that they do. <laughs> Sweet, awesome. The rest of us who are normal, we want to see our kids be successful. Like, we're currently celebrating that after making it through an extremely stressful recruiting season, our daughter Chloe um, finally chose a college to attend. Um, she's had this dream to play college softball since she was like eight years old. Um, and back then, you're like, whatever, man, this thing's not going to last or whatever. But she has worked her butt off over the years um, to achieve this dream. She has, had, she has had great success, incredible success over the years. Um, our son Jaira has this drive and ambition um, to be super successful in wrestling and other sports. And, and, and yesterday, um, he started his, his first tournament um, for, for his sophomore season, and he did incredibly well yesterday. Um, we love watching them play sports. We love celebrating in their successes, not just in sports, but in life with them. Most parents that I know, they want their child to succeed. They want their child to be the best. Again, nobody says, no, not me. I always want my kid to be third place. Like, no, nobody says that, right? You, you want them to be successful. Mary, Mary, who gave birth to the Savior of the world, watched her son get crucified. Not figuratively, literally. She watched her son be beaten, be tortured, nailed to a cross, and hung, and she watched him die. Question, in that moment, as she's watching her son die, do you think she doubted God's promise? Absolutely. Absolutely she did, because when you see the promise die in front of you, you lose all hope. But there are people here today, you've got incredible doubt in your heart because you think you have seen your promise die. And, I, and listen, 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 listen. I understand what that's like. I get that. That is no fun to go through. But don't miss this because the angel had it right. What the angel said at the beginning of this, no word from God ever fails because God always finishes what he starts. No word from God ever fails because God always finishes what he starts. See, she watched the crucifixion. In that moment, she didn't know the resurrection was coming because God can always take what is destroyed. He can always take the ashes and turn them into something glorious. The, the Bible says this, and in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He who began a good work in you. 
He who began a good work in you. That's God. The announcement to Mary, the birth of Jesus. She's watching the crucifixion. She's thinking, how? How is this ever going to happen? How is he ever going to be the Savior of the world? He's going to be because God will carry it on to completion. Even in times of doubt, even in times of discouragement, even in times where you seemingly see the promise die. If you're not dead, then God's not done. If there's air in your lungs, you have reason to hope because Mary saw Jesus die, but then three days later, she saw him rise again. And listen, 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 don't miss this, don't miss this, don't miss this. It took 33 years, 33 years, 33 years for Mary to see the promise of God fulfilled in her life. 33 years. And so for those of us going through a tough time, for those of us who feel like God has forgotten about us, for those of us who feel like we're misfits and we've been cast aside, for those of us who feel like God has spoken something to us but other people doubt us or they don't believe us or they're skeptical of us, for those of us who feel like we're incredibly discouraged or we think we're falling apart or we feel like everything is over, I want you to know today, because of the Christmas story, We can hold on to the fact that we never, ever, ever, ever have to doubt what God has spoken, what we know that God has spoken to us in the light. Let's stand up and sing.